it was after I had been with the company for probably about two years before I realized like this thing is taking off. And like, this was like the a really, really great decision. That didn't just happen because the company took off. So, so several other things happened at the same time. I was getting promoted. And every time I got promoted, I got additional stock as part of my compensation package. And so that was like, oh my gosh, if I continue to like, I can focus on salary, but there's a bigger picture out here in terms of like your compensation package, right? And that bigger picture became, you know, this stock thing. And I realized like, this look a whole lot like financial freedom because me working for another 30 to 40 years is not going to get me to where I want to be as fast as I want to be there. I can't put enough into my 401k to yield the type of like interest and dividends and benefits that I'm getting in this arena. So it kind of like did a light switch in my head. Like the way to really like get free is to do some different kind of investing. It's not just by working your entire life. Welcome to Smart Career and Money Moves, a podcast for professionals seeking fulfillment and purpose in their careers. Each week, we will sit down with experts and trailblazers to discuss the ups and downs of finding and following your passions, whether it's through climbing the corporate ladder, starting a business, or launching a side hustle. So let's get into the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Smart Career and Money Moves podcast. Today, we have Miss Crystal Spates. Hello, hello. I was quick recap on how I know Miss Crystal is that I was so used to being the only Black woman in manufacturing. And one day, Crystal and I crossed paths on the production line of Tesla, and there was instant connection. I am so lucky to know this woman, y'all. Let me tell you a few highlights about Ms. Crystal. She is a leader in operations and process improvement. She's been doing that for the last 12 years. She became a millionaire by the age of 35. Let's get into it. And (laughs) what I'm really impressed with is that she is an expert at playing the corporate game. She's received numerous promotions within a single calendar year. And she's just the bomb. So welcome to the show, Miss Crystal. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Great. As you can see, we have so much to unpack. Those are just, that's just the tip of the iceberg for Crystal's story. I want to start with one question. Finish the sentence. My smartest career in money move thus far has been? Joining a company that gave me ample amount of stock. I love that. I love that. So I like for people to hear, you know, what the highlight has been for you. And then we're going to go back into the journey, right? We're going to start at the beginning because how we want to talk about, you know, where you started, how you got your start, and then how you moved through to getting that stock and how you ended up accomplishing all of those amazing, amazing things that you accomplished that we just spoke on. So let's get started at the beginning of your corporate career. So I did a little bit of research. And so you studied industrial and systems engineering. I did. And so you could have taken that in a million different directions. How did you pick the lane of manufacturing? 
Oh man, this is <laughs> organically what ended up happening was I was more so focused on location post job. So like post college, I was really interested in where I wanted to be. And that place was Atlanta. And so, you know, I went to a bunch of career fairs that they had on campus and, you know, I ended up getting a few different offers. One was actually uh, with Amazon. Speaking of stock, Kate, I didn't take that one, but it was all the way out in Arizona. And then another offer I had, it was somewhere in like Maryland and I I was like, I'm not moving there. And then there was another one with Pepsi, the offer from them that I ended up taking that was in Atlanta, Georgia, because it fit the the qualifications of location. Okay. So you settled on Atlanta, which was the Pepsi was in Atlanta. Correct. And so this is your first introduction into manufacturing. Walk me through that and then kind of how you matriculated because you didn't stop at Pepsi, right? You, You didn't even stay there that long, did you? Nope, I didn't stay that long. So walking into manufacturing was crazy. I mean, it it was the plant that I was in. First of all, it was old. And, you know, the people that were there, they had been there for years and years and years. I didn't know anything about manufacturing at all. Like that was nowhere in my wheelhouse. So it was just totally new to me. I joined as part of this operations management trainee program, which was really, really great. I felt like they gave me a little bit of insight into all of the different aspects of manufacturing. And so I did a little bit of time in warehouse. I did a little bit of time in quality. I did a little bit of time in production. All of these different segments I was able to kind of like nibble and dabble into. And then I just stuck with production because I really just liked the fast pacedness of it. So ended up becoming like an actual production supervisor post-management trainee program ending still with Pepsi. But I think walking into it, it was just like a whole different world in terms of how things are even created from, from concept to actual actualization. So it was different. It was new. It was fresh. It was something that I had never, ever prepared myself for. But I just like got in there and was like, let me just learn everything I can learn from all the people around me. And that's really what my approach was in like joining this new thing that I had never been a part of a day in my life. Awesome. So what led to your next move? Because you, how long were you there? I was probably with Pepsi for probably about a year and a half. What ended up happening was um, I got married during that time frame, no longer married now. But during that time frame, I got married and I ended up relocating with my husband to a different location. So we lived in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) We moved to uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. And then I ended up finding a role with Campbell Soup. It was another manufacturing. I understood that now. And I also understood food and beverage at this point since I had been with Pepsi. And so it was an easy transition, right? So it was still manufacturing. It was still food and beverage. I knew the industry. I knew the work. So it was kind of like easy to kind of just move into that. And so I joined Campbell Soup. I worked out of a little town called Paris, Texas. And that was that. I became a production supervisor there. So was it the same role? Was it production supervisor to production supervisor? It was. Yep. Yep. Exact same role. Okay. So, and by this point, we're probably, what, three years into working? Like, how how long were you at Campbell's? Yeah, I was at Campbell's Soup for probably close to two years again, right? And so I'm probably like four years into my career at this point. So how are you feeling about manufacturing at this point in your career? I'm feeling good. You know, I've been really fortunate to have had like a a lot of really great managers in my lifetime. Like that has made, I feel like a really, really grand difference. I think in my experience in totality, I've had people that have been there like to mentor me along the way and kind of just tell me some of their pitfalls and challenges that they had. And it helped me to really navigate some of those waters in manufacturing. But also I just really 
like naturally I love the fast pacedness of it. Like it was something intriguing about like the line doesn't stop. So you do whatever you got to do to make that line move. And that was like really fascinating for me. It was, it was constant movement. It was never a dull moment. It was never boring. And I really enjoyed that. And so I felt like within manufacturing, I felt like there was something that was pulling me closer and deeper in. Like I get a thrill from this. Right. And so it felt really good for me. So you're now in your second role and your confidence is picking up, right? How do you, do you feel successful in your career at this point where you're at Campbell's? I do. When I was at Campbell, I actually, uh, fun fact, six months in, I ended up getting a raise, like a 10% raise, which is like almost never even heard of apparently, right? And at the time I was just like, oh, this is amazing. It wasn't part of like an annual compensation thing. It was just, you're doing so great. We want to give you, you know, some added benefit for you to continue doing great and for you to stay with this company. And so I was feeling really good. You know, confidence was really like on high on 10 because I had just been doing so well and I felt like I was progressing. Like I wasn't necessarily looking for like a title per se at that time. I was just really enjoying learning. I was leading people. I was learning from those same people. I was in a different environment in terms of, so Pepsi was a non-union environment, the place that I worked at, and then Campbell Soup was union. And so I was learning new things. I was learning new environments and how to talk with people differently and how do structures work amongst companies and different settings and environments. And so I was really enjoying it. My confidence was really, really good, actually. So I was, I was enjoying Campbell Soup. Okay. And then we start playing the big leagues. We move to California and then we meet at Tesla. Talk to me about, you know, your journey at Tesla and all the things you kind of went through, because that's where you made some of those pivotal moves in your career. I want to say this though, like, so It was pivotal, but it was pivotal for like a reason in terms of like, how did I go from Campbell Soup to Tesla, right? During that time frame, I actually, um, I got pregnant. And so I ended up being a stay at home mom and I I did some life decisions within that, right? To say like, okay, I really want to focus on this avenue of my life at this point and and try to figure things out. and, And what do I really want? And so I stayed at home with my daughter for probably about a year and a half. And then I said, you know what? It's time for me to get back. I want to go back to work. I really enjoy working actually. I enjoy leading people. I enjoy the fast paced, like I just said. But this time I was like, I want to do something different. Like, I feel like I have skills that could definitely cross over into different markets. And I was like, just because I do manufacturing and food and beverage doesn't mean that I can't go into another industry. And so I was thinking about airline. I was thinking about boating. I was thinking about automotive. In walks Tesla, obviously. So I ended up randomly applying online. (laughs) I applied for a job. I ended up getting a call back. I went through a few different interviews and lo and behold, I accepted. And then I was moving to California. Okay. And so let's get into that experience because how long were you there? Oh, at Tesla, I probably, I was with Tesla for probably about four and a half years. Four and a half years. Okay. What was the height of that? And then we want to get into some of the valleys too, because what we're doing with the podcast, what I'm hoping to you know, help people see is that there's so many different peaks and valleys to people's journey, right? You don't just become a millionaire before the age of 35 and like you haven't faced any adversity or, you know, anything, you know, hasn't kind of knocked you off. So talk to me about like, what was the height there? Like, How did you get these multiple promotions in a single year? 
Yeah, I, I mean, definitely want to talk about some 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 peaks within that. You just mentioned it. I ended up getting like two to three promotions within like one and a half years. And that was like fantastic for me. I think also within that, it wasn't even so much of the promotions, but it was like doing something that had never been done before. It was being part of a company that was doing something that was so different. And everybody thought that we were going to fail. And I was part of this Model 3 launch team at the time too. And, and, and in that time frame, it was all in the news about we were going through production hell and all of these other things were happening around us. But you know, for me, it felt like we're actually accomplishing something really, really great. And I can remember we had an entire celebration about the the first time that we did like 5,000 cars in a week. And for me, that was like a really, really high point because I had been there since the very beginning of like no cars running through that line. So now we got 5,000 in a week and, and it just felt really monumental for me. So that was your peak, right? It sounds like you enjoyed working but now there was a sense of fulfillment coming in because it was, you know, working for a purpose. And I had a similar, you know, scenario there is that that was probably the first time I actually felt like I was working with a purpose. Yeah, and like the sure. company mission was, you know, worth that. So let's talk about what does it take to get promoted three times in a year and a half? I mean, you got to put in the work. <laughs> like, like, just honestly, you you really do have to put in the work. And, and by putting in the work, you know, something that I had to really learn, and this was really probably one of my pits in, the, in my time at Tesla, is really understanding, like, putting in the work does not mean necessarily working 20 hours a day. Putting in the work means, like, strategically doing things that make an impact. And so I had to learn, like, just because you're here all the time, that doesn't mean that you're being impactful. Like, you have to focus on bottom line. How how are you helping performance numbers? At the end of the day, that's what you're paid to do. And so I think me focusing on how do I really make a difference? That is what got me promotions. And so people, you may ask like, what, what does that mean though? Like, how do you make a difference? So I got really clear on like, what are we trying to do? By the end of this year, help me understand. And, and I had a lot of conversations with my managers around like, ultimately, what's the goal here? Right. And if I can work the goal backwards, I can I can come up with a plan to actually get us there. So if the goal is to make this many cars, it's to keep people safe. Obviously, it's to, you know, drive quality It's to do all of these different metrics. OK, cool. Let me bucket all of those into different areas of things that I can control. Now, if I have a span of control with my team, I know that there are going to be a certain things that I'm going to be able to do. I'm going to pull people together. I'm going to work cross-functionally. I'm going to, I am going to come in early sometimes because I need to talk to the people that were there from the previous shift. I need to understand what's happening, but I also need to understand like, how do we really move forward and affect change? So I would say I got promotions because I was willing to put in the work. I was willing to think differently and I was willing to, you know, honestly just focus on bottom line at the end of the day, how we making them numbers look. Thank you so much for sharing that. Cause I say it to my audience, till I'm blue in the face. It's like, how do I add value? And you hit the nail on the head. It's like, you know, the whole conversation of busy versus productive, right? Showing up to work, logging onto your laptop, being on for 12 plus hours, but having no idea how what you're doing matters to anybody. You know, and I think you gave a, gave a great piece of advice. It's like, flat out, ask the question, to your leadership, what are we doing here? Yes. <laughs> like, what, what are, are we, we doing? doing here? That is so good. Yeah. And like, <laughs> for me, I'm a purpose-driven person. It's like, if I don't know what we're doing, 
I can't buy in. I can't even spend the 12 hours. I can't put in the work until I even know what we're doing. And so I think that's a great piece of advice, you know, for people trying to matriculate through their careers. It's like, that's almost your top priority. If you don't know what we're doing, you're essentially wasting your time. And theirs. And theirs. <laughs> and yeah. theirs. What are some of the lessons that you had to learn as you're moving through, you know, putting in the work? And, and actually, where did you get that idea that, like, I need to figure out what's important to my leadership? Where did I get that idea? I don't know. I read a lot. So you see all these, all these books behind me? I, I'm an avid reader. And, and everything that, like, I've read, it always talks about, like, understanding how you yourself are putting yourself in a position to win. And I'm always reading, like, these business books and, and personal help books or whatever the case is. But it's always talking about putting yourself in position to win. And you can't put yourself in position to win unless you understand what the goal is. So it's, like, the same way you go about making your own personal goals. Like, you got to have career goals. But them career goals, you got to figure out how you align with your managers and your manager's manager's goals as well. because if they're not successful, you're not going to be successful, right? And and you making yourself successful only makes them successful. Hence, you get more promotions because they likely get promoted. Right. So looking at the bigger picture, as opposed to like, I'm just taking this job. <laughs> like, oh. being the, the end of story. I'm just taking this job. Yeah. That's never been my story. Just taking a job, just to take a job, it always got to have a bigger scope to it. Where does this get me in the next two years, three years, five years, 10 years? Ultimately, I've always known, like, I wanted a certain kind of lifestyle. And so I've always been working towards that lifestyle and understanding, like, every job I take, it got to be getting me closer to that place of where I'm saying, okay, I'm financially free. I can live my life. I want to live my life. But it's because I did all of these things ahead of time that and choices, right? Actions and choices that got me here. Here's the cheat code to making a career pivot or to getting promoted. First, you need the skills to do the job or the ability to learn how to. Second, you have to be able to market and sell yourself as the best candidate for the job. I created the Career Brand Accelerator as a professional development program to help you become a master at marketing and selling your skills so that you will always have the tools you need to make a career change. Cause let's be honest, it's easy to get a new degree or certification or even to revamp your resume, but nothing quite prepares you for establishing your brand and for finding out what makes you unique so that you can stand out from the other job candidates in today's competitive job market. I have good news for you. You don't have to navigate your career on your own. Visit thecareerbrandaccelerator.com to learn more about how to pivot into your next role and how to level up your career without new degrees and certifications and without applying for tons of jobs online. What would you say was probably your biggest mistake that you made? Like, it's obvious that your career is taking off, right? You're getting rewarded for putting in the work. But what was your biggest mistake that you can recall? Because I also think that people believe that there's no room for making mistakes in corporate and that the people who are managers and directors and above that, you know, they've been perfect. So I kind of want to get your opinion on that. Yeah, definitely haven't been perfect. Still am not. (laughs) But I would say my greatest sort of like learning experience has been to be humble. Like I've been managing people since I came out of college. And and sometimes that gets to your head and you feel like, well, I just know what I'm doing. And it's like, not all the time. You got to learn how to manage people at different levels. And so I went from managing hourly staff to 
salaried staff members. And that's a totally different ballgame in terms of motivating people and encouraging them and getting them to really buy into your agenda of what it is that you want to do. And so I think my biggest mistake has been not listening, right? And just assuming that I know what to do because I've been leading people, but these are different kind of people, you know what I mean? And they got different motivations and, and they've been seeing things differently than my own perspective. And so biggest mistake was just not taking the time to listen. And, and that cost me, you know, that cost me in terms of people leaving my team, that cost me in terms of people not doing what I needed them to do. And so hence, you know, things weren't getting done as fast or as quickly as I needed them to get done that slowed me down you know it slowed me down tremendously but lesson learned thank you so much for sharing that i kind of want to pivot over to money moves we love money (laughs) if you don't mind me asking and you can just give me like a range what was the change in salary from your pepsi to now you know at the height of your career at tesla like just not the salary itself, but was it twenty thousand dollars, fifty, a hundred? <laughs> and in uh-huh. what amount of time did you see this salary change? Oh man, when I first came out of college, I was making somewhere between fifty and sixty. By the time I was at Tesla, I would say at you know the height of my career, I was well into six figure uh, range, and so that was a pretty substantial jump for me, probably more than a hundred grand or so. And then what was the second part of that question? Oh, I said, in what amount of time? So yeah, I got into the working world probably around 2011. By the time I was at Pepsi, it was what, 2017, 18, in which I was at that point. So a few years and and taking into account the fact that, you know, I took years off because again, I left Pepsi and I was a stay-at-home wife for a little while. And then I joined Campbell's Soup. And when I left Campbell's Soup, I stayed at home with my daughter for about a year and a half. And so I had taken some serious like intermittent breaks in between that time frame. But I jumped back in full feet, you know, both feet in, like ready to go and, and made some serious headway fairly quickly. And that's also encouraging, you know, for women in the working world that you can take a break and still not miss a beat. I mean, you know, yeah. it didn't really, as far as we can tell, affect your career. But I think you did something pretty amazing, something that like our parents' generation would have never, you know, dreamed of, it, you know, in the course of, let's say, 10 years, you increased your salary by well over $100,000. And, you know, for most of us, that may have been more than our parents, like they never even made that much. <laughs> so. How do you feel that really changing, I mean, you were breaking a generational curse, right? You're really changing the narrative of money and and how much we can make and what we can do with it in your family. Like, how do you think that has affected you? Oh, I mean, in a great way. I, I feel like, especially when I became a mom of a daughter, that really like took things up another level for me because I, I was determined that she was going to come out of high school with substantially set. You know what I mean? Like I, I was determined to make sure like she didn't have to worry about if she wanted to start a business, how? If she wanted to go to college, how? Like for one, she, she needs to study. She needs to get an education. She needs to, you know, get scholarships and all the other good stuff. But when it really came down to it, I wanted her to know like your mom has worked her behind off to make sure that you are okay in life. And, you know, it feels incredible for me to be able to say like, 
I did that. I'm I'm in my 30s and and I've already kind of like have started building monumental blocks for my child to have a different life, which means that her children will have a different life and their children will have a different life, all because of some choices and actions that I made. And that feels incredible. I love that. And I know your daughter is going to be one day listen to this episode and hear about all the, you know, hear her mom's story. She's going to be blown away. So Ed, you reached a, a pinnacle of your, what seemed like a pinnacle of your career at Tesla. And then something changed. What changed with Crystal that she wanted to not be the heart of manufacturing anymore? Yeah, I, I think... You know, we go through these cycles of life where it's like, what am I doing here? Like, and we go back to impact, right? Like, what is it? I too, Jerry, I'm that person that like, I need to feel some sort of like purpose attached to what it is that I'm doing. And that was important to me. And so with my daughter getting older as well, I was saying to myself, you know, production, it is, it is some gruesome hours with production. Like there are people working shifts, right? And so that means like you are there before the shift start, after the shift ends. And it's just gruesome hours. It's it's a very, very tough career, right? One that many people do for years and years and years. But for me, I said, you know what? I need to spend more time with my daughter. And and that was more important to me at the time. And so I said, you know what? But I still, I still like manufacturing a little bit, right? I still like to be in that realm, but I want to take a different approach. I want to use some skills that I've already been using just on the sideline, but now I want to make it like my permanent career move. So what did you end up doing? I became a continuous improvement manager. And what was that pivot like? That one was difficult because all of my experience had been in production. And so what that means is like all I was known as was an operations leader. Like there was nothing else that people kind of like knew of me or that I even knew of myself, if I'm being honest, right? Like I had to dig deep to say like, okay, what are the skills that can transfer over that makes this make sense, right? And that was really important. My good friend, Jerry, helped me to understand some of those things at the same time, you know, but but it's, it's a real thing where you're like, I've been doing all of these things. I just didn't have the title that went along with it. And so that transition of really helping employers and future hiring managers understand, like, I literally have done these things already just in a different capacity. And I can still do it in this capacity as well. So it was tough at first, I feel like to really kind of figure out how to convey that message. But once I did, it was like off to the races. The messaging is the most important thing. And that's what I really try to, you know, hone in on and get my clients to really nail down. Because Usually it's a confidence factor. You know, like you said, I've been doing these things, but because I don't have the title, can I say that I've been doing that? You know, maybe I'm afraid to, like, I don't know how to say it. Like, what were some things that helped you overcome that feeling that like, how do I articulate? Right. I think it was more so for me just saying like, I got the track record to back it up. At the end of the day, like when I talk about like numbers, like I can tell you how I increased production by 5%. I can tell you how I eliminated costs. I can tell you how I did all of these different value stream, work streams, things that made sense for the organization. I got the track record to back it up. And so me telling you that these skills correlate, you can see it directly in the work that I've done. So once I got into that mind frame of being like, you know what you've done, 
you got a track record to back it up, then it's like, okay, well, this is easy. Like I can just tell you like, and and I can speak very fluently to it because I know that it's real. It's not fluff. It's not something that I found on Google. It's something that I know inherently I've been doing. And so I can speak very confidently to it. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, the building blocks, right? The first block is what are we doing here? The second block is what did I do to contribute to what are we doing here? Correct. <laughs> and, and just knowing your facts and knowing your story. And I think, you know, that's important for people to internalize and to make a, a, a practice is like, you got to be keeping track. Absolutely. Was anybody keeping track of those accomplishments for you? No, ma'am. No. <laughs> like, like if you don't keep track, nobody else will. Like no one cares more about your career than you do. Like, Ever, right? Because they're they're constantly looking at their own career. So I mean, I would always, always have like notebook, pen, whether it's my laptop, there is something that I am taking notes in constantly to talk about things that I have done, right? Whether it's this week or this month or this quarter, I always got a running list. Always. And so what would you say to somebody who's struggling? They trying to make a career pivot. They, you know, they're in a career that realize something's not right. I need to go do something else but they're struggling to make that pivot. What advice do you have for them? How do they get past that? You know what? I think you need to first look at all the things that you've done. Like, like be real with yourself and be really honest about the things that you've really already accomplished and say like, what am I good at? Because you, you've been making some progress along the way. It may not be five promotions, but I guarantee you, you've been doing something. So look at the things that you've been doing and how you did them. How are you good at those things? And then focus on how you can then pivot that to say the exact same thing in the next career choice. Like use your skills to your advantage. They're yours. Like they're your skills. You built them. You've been working on them. You've been harvesting them. Now you, you gotta, you gotta go and actually apply them, right? Like help people to see what you see. I love that. I mean, are we making it sound too easy though? (laughs) I mean, nothing is easy. Nothing worth having is easy, right? It it is work. Like you have to put in the work you have to, I mean, and this starts like at the very beginning of your career, but pick up any, any time that you would like, right? Anytime that you would like, go ahead and look at the things that you've done over the past year. If that's nothing, then we got bigger problems and you need to figure out what it is that you've been doing for the past year, right? Because if you're not making progress, then it's like you're holding yourself back. Like the company isn't holding you back. You're holding yourself back at this point. So it's not easy in terms of just like flip a light switch and, and you know, you're just selling yourself. You got to know your worth. You got to know what you've been doing and you got to be able to articulate it as well. I think most people get stuck in making a decision, you know, because it's like, you know, you want to do something different. You're waiting on somebody else to tell you what that is. You're waiting on somebody to tell you at the company what we're doing here and how you can contribute to that. You're waiting on someone to tell you what you're even good at. So how do people discover? Because, I mean, though these are things that you picked up, you know, either through osmosis, a mentor on your own. How do people discover that? And then, I mean, you can walk us through some things that have helped you kind of get clarity on those. Yeah, I think for me, I've always understood like Calvary wasn't coming. I'm Calvary, you know? And so at the end of the day, like no one is going to pull me along or pull me to where I want to go more than I am. I am my biggest fan. I will always bet on me, always. And knowing that, it's always been this realization of like, well, if you don't do it, 
you're going to be stuck. Like, not them. They're going to have their career and they're going to do what they want to do. Like, your manager, your peers, all of these people around you, that's not your business. Like, stay in your lane and figure out what it is you want to do. And I think what always has helped me is, like, if you don't like your situation, change it. You got the power to do that. You don't like it, change it. You don't like where you live, change it. You don't like the company, change that. You don't like something, you have the ability to go and change it. Like, and you don't have to wait on anyone to tell you to do that. You know inherently what to do. You got to trust yourself. And I think that has like led me a lot in my career in terms of being like, you know what? I'm not feeling this no more. Okay, now what am I not feeling? And then I would sit with myself for for days, weeks, months, however long it takes and say like, what am I not liking? Is it something that I can change right here on the surface or is it a larger change that I need to make? I don't like how much money I make. I can change that. I can can most certainly change that. And so it's constantly saying to yourself, like you have the power and don't wait on Calvary. No one is going to pull you along. Like you have to pull yourself up. You, just you. And you can do it because what we know for sure is many, 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 many hundreds of thousands of people have already gone before us and done that exact same thing. Yeah, I feel like people who are new in their career and a lot of people who are first generation corporate just don't understand, you know, that point that you just made. It's like there is no Calvary. If you want to succeed in this thing, it's you the only person who's going to make it happen, not your manager. Not your company, not nobody. <laughs> not your mentor, not your sponsor, not all of You can get all the advice in the world, but until you start making moves, nothing will happen for you. <laughs> until you start making moves. I've been saying this, I've been said, said this on almost every episode. Doing is sexy. Doing is sexy. The people that we look up to, The people that are doing the things, the people who have what you want, who are being what you want, who are doing what you want, they the the difference between you and them is that you might be sitting on the sidelines in your head, afraid to take action, and they got up and they made a move. That is it. And it's like this move, this move, this move, this move. And before you know it, like now people looking at you like you done done something and you're like... All I did was get up off the couch. It's It's just one decision, one decision after the next, one action after the next. Like it's literally putting one foot in front of the other. Like, but you got to start, just start. Just start doing it sexy. Action is the plan. So the very first thing you share with the audience was that your smartest career and money move was getting with a company that offered you stock. So talk to me about that. Like, When did you even realize that, like, I just hit the jackpot here. Like, this stock game is where it's at. (laughs) You know what? It was after I had been with the company for probably about two years before I realized, like, this thing is taking off. And, like, this was, like, a really, really great decision. That didn't just happen because the company took off. So, So several other things happened at the same time. I was getting promoted. And every time I got promoted... I got additional stock as part of my compensation package. And so that was like, oh my gosh, if I continue to like, I can focus on salary, but there's a bigger picture out here in terms of like your compensation package, right? And that bigger picture became, you know, this stock thing. And I realized like, this look a whole lot like financial freedom because 
me working for another 30 to 40 years is not going to get me to where I want to be as fast as I want to be there. I can't put enough into my 401k to yield the type of like interest and dividends and benefits that I'm getting in this arena. So it kind of like did a light switch in my head. Like the way to really like get free is to do some different kind of investing. It's not just by working your entire life. Like working and saving your entire life is not likely going to get you to what you ultimately want to do. Well, I won't say you, me. It won't get me to what I want to do. <laughs> it, it didn't work right? for me. <laughs> I very quickly understood like this is a path, right? And so, you know, even choosing my next company, when I left Tesla, I was thinking very forwardly about like, what's their stock packages like? Like, what what are they giving in stock? And that became like an automatic thing. And every career I take now, every job I take now, I'm looking more at just like, what is the base salary? Because it's so much more than that. So much more. Yeah, because the base salary is just to help you live. And people don't realize, you know, they're trying to get higher and higher salaries. But it's like, unless you have a plan, you're going to go from living like you make $70,000 to living like you make $150,000. And at the end of the year, you're still not going to have anything to show for it. Absolutely. And so you're starting over year after year. So, and you saw very clearly that like to actually get ahead, I need some other form of income, you know, that's kind of growing in the background to put, put me forward. So you got the stock. You realize that like, you know, now you're thinking about freedom. Now you're thinking about what do I do? You know, my career is bomb, but what do I do for freedom and the next phase of my life? And so where has that taken you? I know that um, you've expressed interest in some entrepreneurial areas. So kind of walk us through that. What are you thinking in terms of, you know, being an entrepreneur and how can you further, you know, your wealth journey? Yeah, I'm going to add to that a a few other things. You know, I I recently I went through a divorce as well. And so like I ended up losing a lot in that divorce, too. And so this was a really, really great pivotal moment for me because it was like, oh, my goodness. Well, now I'm learning more about protecting my assets and how important that is. And so now I'm getting into other arenas of like really understanding your full wealth picture, right? Like like your life insurance, your will, your trust. How do all of these things make sense? You know, how do you get things from you to your daughter? Like, how does all of that come together? And and that really did start me in kind of like this entrepreneurial kind of like lifestyle or or thinking even where it's like, you know what? I'm not going to be dependent upon a company nor man. And I'm going to figure some things out for myself so I can set myself up for the rest of my life. And so I've really been focusing on doing some things in regards to blogging right? That's like my new passion. I'm blogging about financial freedom. And along with that, my path to financial freedom, it includes a bunch of different things. It includes uh, how do I get involved in real estate investing? How do I involve myself more into the stock market? How do I come up with all of these retirement plans that are going to really propel me forward? Because again, to your point, my salary day to day, that's just, uh, you know, I pay my, my, my day to day bills with that. But when we're thinking about financial freedom, I'm thinking about things much bigger, much more encompassing as it pertains to my wealth journey. What's your freedom number? What would make you feel like you're free? My freedom number is up there. It's well over 100 million. Oh, wow. Yeah. She's talking yeah. big numbers. She is. <laughs> she is. 
And, and that's that's really a stretch target. I, I'd say over the next 10 years, I'm, I'm focused more so in kind of like the 3 million range, right? And that's just to say like, hey, I can work when I want to work. If, even if I want to take a consulting job, I can do that for a few months and then I can go back and do what it is that I really want to do. And I got a plan to kind of approach this from different angles. And, and that's really like what I'm working in these days, working on these days, I should say. I I mean, the plan is solid. The plan is solid. I mean, so you started this blog. How can we support you? Because I know this is just the beginning. Like, how can we how can we follow Crystal's wealth journey? Oh, yeah. So it's yours truly Check out my blog, share it. If you like it, engage with it, leave me comments. I typically try to comment back, um, like it, share it, do all of the things. It's going to continually be growing. Even with that, I'm actually opening up an Etsy store where I'm going to be selling some spreadsheets and things as it pertains to wealth management. And so that'll be interesting. It's going to be on the blog though. So you got to stay tuned into the blog again. That's yours truly crystal.com for all things that are going to be coming my way. So yes, please support. Uh, I'm here to support you guys as well. Want to ensure that especially people that look like me, they, they get a fighting chance at the same time. Like that was so important to me for my daughter to see something different. And I want us to continue that sort of generational blessing of where we see things differently and we're seeing people do things that we never thought were possible. I will certainly be sharing that, you know, your your blog with the audience. I'm already a subscriber, guys, so get on it. <laughs> and so you're going to be sharing resources with your audience to help them on their journey. But I also want you to share what are some resources that are helping you on your journey? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Uh, you're an avid reader, as we can see. Like, what are some of your favorite resources that, like, if you're trying to elevate your career, got to get into this. If you're trying to work on your wealth game, got to get into this. Yeah. So I am all things focused on like entrepreneurial right now in my life. Um, there's this podcast, How I Built This. Love that podcast. I am so intrigued, so inspired by the stories that are there. And that constantly like pushes me forward because typically it's people who like really started with nothing, like nothing. And again, if they can do it, you can do it. I'm always of that philosophy. But I think also I'm reading a lot about retirement. I'm reading a lot about taxes right now. There's this book that I have. It's Tax-Free Wealth, I believe is what it's called. But I want to understand, like, if my salary is going up and I got all of these other sort of like entrepreneurial things happening, how does that affect me in taxes, right? If you win taxes, you win the wealth game. And I'm an avid believer in that these days. So I'm learning a lot about that. Um, and then retirement books, Your Money or Your Life. I just recently read uh, Early Retirement Success is something that I'm reading right now. And then Set for Life is also another one that's pretty good as well. Okay, because I'm about to add those right onto my Audible uh, <laughs> list. Set for Life. And then, yeah, uh, re- Early Retirement, you said. What was that one yes. again? Success for Early Retirement. How Success. to Retire Early, I think. I'm going okay. to actually look at it. Uh, it's one of these behind me. I will get it for you. You can put it in the comments. How about that? Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll add those um, resources because the people want to know how do we, you know, use our careers to actually, you know, build a life, build something to leave behind, right? We are not just working these jobs, you know, for the accolades of saying I became a manager at insert company, right? Like, Yeah, because who cares? <laughs> at the end of the day, at the end of your life, like, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? So Crystal has, I mean, dropped so many gems in this episode, <laughs> right? It's definitely an episode worth taking some notes on. She shared 
you know, lots of great resources for you guys, lots of great action plans and strategies to, you know, level up your career and then also level up your wealth game. Crystal, it was such a good episode. I thank you so much for joining. (laughs) Any last words for the listeners? No, I mean, go take action. I feel like that's the only thing that I can say. Like, you want your life to look different? You have all the power in the world to do something about it. So go do it. But thank you for having me. This has been an honor and so much fun. So thank thank you you so much for being a guest, Crystal. And we can't wait to continue to watch your story and see what's next for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you love this episode as much as I did, be sure to hit the subscribe button, leave a five-star review, or share this podcast with those in your network that are striving to make smart career and money moves. Till next week. Bye.